AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Grain prices were mixed with wheat and the soy complex lower. Corn found a way to inch higher into the end of the week. Sellers came back to the cattle markets while lean hog futures prepped for tomorrow's quarterly snout count. Live from the edge of winter via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing. Directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, buddy. Hey, um, just in case you were wondering, uh huh. the sun came up this morning. <laughs> okay. At, at 7.37. Mm-hmm. Okay. 7.37. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I think that's right. Uh, you know what? No, it's coming up tomorrow morning at 7.37. But it's mm-hmm. going down this afternoon. I stress afternoon mm-hmm. at 4.39 this afternoon. Welcome yeah. to the shortest day of the year, everybody. It wow. may be the shortest day, but it's it's potentially could be the longest sleep of the year, if you want to look at it that way. Well, you know, I might crawl in at like 5 o'clock. You know? Hibernation is not a bad thing at this time of the year. Just shut it down. You know, exactly. live off some stored reserves. I got plenty of stored <laughs> reserves. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. If you did not hear this morning's AgriTalk, I, oh. I hope you take the time to listen to the whole show. Okay? Um, number one in the second segment this morning, we had Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on. Some of the feedback that we're getting from the interview is very good. And it's a project that we've been planning for a while. Uh, We've got a set of five questions that we want to ask all the candidates so that you can compare apples to apples with the answers. Okay. Uh, And and, uh, Governor DeSantis was the first in. Mm -hmm. We hope that there will be more to come. Mm -hmm. We're confident that there will be, but... Uh, we need to get those, uh, those those schedules finalized as we move forward. And You're calling for ca- a candidate cascade, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Candidate yeah. cascade. Absolutely, absolutely. And then I I think Davis is going to mention the, the other reason that you need to go back and listen to this morning's show when we get into the news. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was it – was, I, th- yeah. I thought it was a, an interesting conversation and, and – he he answered the questions, including a couple of follow-ups, very directly. There was yeah. there was no well. You you got to think about this and you got to think about that. No, yeah. he just answered the questions. Yep. So he really it. Did. Yeah, I would. It's pretty slick. I, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation. All right, Thanks. buddy. Let's get to the news. Chip export sales of wheat in the weekend of December 14 totaled nearly 323,000 metric tons, and that was in line with trade expectations. Mexico topped the list of buyers with Japan, Indonesia, and Algeria also on the list. The forecast calling for beneficial rainfall over the next 10 days in U.S. hard red winter wheat country made it difficult for wheat prices to trade higher. 
But March hard red winter wheat futures did spike the pivotal 625 level and again rejected trade below that level. March HRW wheat futures were one and three quarter cents higher at 626 and three quarters. March SRW wheat up two and a half cents to 612 and a half. March spring wheat closed at 714 and one quarter. Chip that's down three and three quarter cents. The March hard red contract uh, just letting yeah. us know good stuff can happen at the bottom. Exactly, exactly. And working to build a base at that 625 level, yep. it looks impressive. Yeah, I like it. Export sales of corn in the weekend of December 14 totaled 1.01 million metric tons. That was in line with trade expectations. Mexico, Japan, and China topped the list of buyers that also included Colombia and Taiwan. There is growing concern that shipments of U.S. corn and wheat and soybean meal, too, by the way, to Mexico could be disrupted by the closure of two rail bridges on the border. Be sure to listen to this morning's AgriTalk and uh, conversation with Mike Steenhook from the Soy Transportation Coalition uh, Coalition for the latest on that. March Corn posted an out uh, inside trading day with a low range open and a high range close. March Corn futures two and three quarters higher, four seventy two and a half. May Corn up two and three quarters, four eighty five and a quarter. July Corn futures closed at four ninety five. That's up two and a half. Chip. Yeah, we continue to talk about the export sales pace being better for corn. Mm-hmm. But our export inspections, the actual shipments, are still lagging significantly, and this border issue is not going to help that situation. Well, Chip, soybean traders are still trying to sort out what to believe when it comes to crop <laughs> conditions in central Brazil. Conservatively, most crop watchers say at least 5 million metric tons of production potential has been lost, and most of these crop watchers also have a downside bias on their estimates based on the current weather outlook. But, Chip, with rain falling the past 24 hours and more expected today, the entire soy complex was on the defensive. Export sales of beans last week totaled nearly 2 million metric tons in line with expectations. Unknown topped the list of buyers, with China close behind in the second spot. March beans briefly traded with a 12 handle for the first time since October 12. January beans were 11 cents lower at 12.97 and a quarter. March beans down 14, 13.01 and three quarters. May beans closed at 13.13 and one quarter. That's down... 13 and one half chip yeah those 12 handle beans are no fun no fun at all move on export sales of cotton <laughs> weekend of december 14 146,700 running bales china at the top of the list march cotton eight points lower 79.13 uh positioning for friday's cattle on feed report offset potential support from expectations of higher cash cattle trade feb live cattle down a buck 62 and a half 168 67 and one half jan feeders 235 lower 221.70 and finally, pork sales, freaking fantastic, 37,500 <laughs> metric tons. Uh, February hogs, a 42 and a half higher, 70.65, Chip. Yeah, 37,500 for Dude. this year, yeah. 25,500 for next year. That was a monster total. Yeah, baby. Or freaking fantastic, as you said. If you like. Mm-hmm. All right, Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. How you doing, buddy? Merry Christmas. Hey, same to you, Chip. All right, all right. What do you see? What What's catching your attention in the markets? Oh, boy. Uh, not a lot. I guess soybeans, you know, continuing to drift lower despite the, the ongoing okay. and growing concerns in South America. I think you know, some of the weakness uh, we saw today may be hand-in-hand uh, hand with January options expiration tomorrow, and it kind of looks like they want to pin that thing right at 13 bucks. So I wouldn't yep, be yep. Too, too surprised to see that hold. Uh, hopefully we can rebound from that next week uh, to round out the year on a little bit of a positive note, because if we can't defend you know, this 
this lower end of the range. There, there is some air below the market down to those October lows. So I, I am a little bit nervous, but I'm still hopeful that uh, we can hold some ground here at the very least. Yeah. Boy, we got a lot of data coming to the livestock markets tomorrow, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, just in time for a, a three-day weekend, right? We yeah. got the cattle on feed, cold storage, hogs and pigs. So a uh, big day of data out after the close. It'll be interesting to see what comes out. Uh, but I think more importantly, if anybody's going to remember what the data points were yeah. come Tuesday morning. Exactly. That's the worst thing about a three-day weekend with these reports. Uh, yeah. Because they are going to be very important. You ready for Christmas? I, I'm, I'm kind of mentally checked out. It's been, I'm trying not to screw anything up in what was otherwise a pretty good year. <laughs> you know, sometimes defense is the best offense into the end of the year. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas again, Oliver. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right, buddy. That is Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Coming up next. Time for a conversation with Sam Hudson from Corn Belt Marketing. We've got quite a list of topics that Sam wants to cover today. Should be great. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us as we uh, put a wrap on Thursday. Uh, we got a long ways to go before we get to that wrap, but uh, we're going to have a conversation with Sam Hudson from Corn Belt Marketing right now. Sam, Merry Christmas, buddy. How are you? I'm better than expected, Chip. How you doing? Thanks for having me. <laughs> better than expected. You know, that sounds like a little uh, market analysis being done right there. <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the 2023 corn crop is what it sounds like. Yep. Yeah, yep, for the yep. most part. I think that's right. what we're referring to. So, yep. so but Very yeah, great for Christmas. I mean, end of year stuff going on and, um, yep. you know, a lot of producers uh, trying to get, you know, shored up on tax situations and get ready for next year. So, yeah, yeah. The end of the year is where I wanted to get to on this. And, and, and mm-hmm. it, actually, it's where I want to start with, with the conversation, Sam, because I haven't talked with anybody else about this. But here we are. We, we, we got to talk about it and start talking about it now and remind listeners of this right through, uh, well, probably into the first week of, of 2024. But, boy, it's, it, it gets difficult to trust any kind of a move 
in the grain markets at this time of the year because of a lack of volume and 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 it, it, well, yeah, a lack of volume in these markets, right? Yeah, it's just a, a fickle beast, and and you know we took a ton of open interest off the board when December corn went off the board. We're going to do it again here with the January soybeans. And honestly, I think that's what we can kind of maybe potentially look forward to is if you have to bring any of that interest back into the markets after the first of the year, uh, particularly on the buy side, that uh, we could see that sensitivity, you know, the other way, just the same. And so but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it just this fickle environment uh, makes it difficult to even even turn the markets on, honestly. Yeah. And then the sensitivity of the markets to headlines, it feels like it's going both ways, Sam, because. I look at what's happening down in South America and look at it. And we talked with Danielle Sequera from AgriReal yesterday morning, got some ideas of just how bad that crop was. And even she kind of downplayed it. They've taken 5 million metric ton off of their, their bean crop estimate for the, for Brazil. And it, it, I, I think everybody's, effort to be conservative on crop damage is kind of making us numb to the weather reports down there, isn't it? I was going to say the exact same word, you know, just numb to, to the news in general. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about it for so long, partially because there hasn't been anything else to really talk about or drive markets. Um, and, you know, it takes the edge off a little bit, but the, these cuts have been so gradual that it, it eliminates the the uh, chance for a surprise or, or shock value to the market until almost it's too late. And we've seen markets do this before in the past. Uh, you know, in 2019, it was very similar to that in the corn market in spring. We couldn't get the crop in. We were just leaking, 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 just a completely dead market. And then one day we just woke up and said, oh, crap, I guess we got to rally right. if we don't get it in. And so this could be a similar situation. Markets have really become time and place, uh, you know, scenarios, I think, over the last couple of years. And in these types of situations where you got a little bit of a vacuum, you still have a very reluctant uh you know, farmer seller out here, unless it's out of necessity, uh, it, it provides those vacuums and, and, a, and a chance for at least something to happen. And if not for nothing, even if it's in a lower market, maybe that'll boost our volatility back up here again. Yeah, I I agree with you on that, on how you described farmer selling right now, reluctant. I think that might yeah. be the best word that, that you could use to describe it. And it's, it's because, you know, you're, some guys might be delivering six and a half dollar corn and at the same time have another bin full that's that's unpriced uh yeah get working up the guts to pull the trigger and sell some of that corn that's unpriced right now can't be very easy sam no and it's gotten harder and harder along the way you know even at harvest some of those uh cords got cut just under the realization they had so many more bushels than that what was, they were planning for uh, and that's okay. Sometimes to average yourself down, you know, you're still looking at dollars per acre revenue in general. It's really good. And now that we've slipped another 20, 30 cents here since that time frame, and it's just wearing people out. Uh, and, and, you know, I tweeted about this here yesterday, but uh, we're just seeing, you know, the need for cash uh, from some individuals a lot sooner than what we expected, especially with this current as farmers are on marketing soybeans for cash flow. Yeah. Interest eats up cash flow in a hurry, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, a lot of uh, people still looking to, to prepay, you know, into next yep, year. Yep. And the good news there is cost for corn, you know, putting in a corn crop maybe down about a hundred bucks an acre. But, uh, you know, you're still going to necessitate a five dollar plus uh, cash corn look for, for the general population. Right. Right. What do you t talk to me about 
those unpriced 23 crop. Uh, and if, you know, I, I would assume that there's some unpriced 23 beans out there too. But talk to me about corn and beans on, on 23 crop. What If you've got some unpriced, what should you be thinking? Well, it really depends on where you stand in the in the whole game, you know, to begin with. Is this just the beginning of your marketing, you know, or, yeah. or um, you know, are you feeding off of stuff that you did ahead of time? And at this point, if you're just getting started, it's just a tough nut to crack. And unfortunately, uh, you're just going to have to bite the bullet uh, in a lot of cases and understand what you can know. And even if you sell it a, a value you aren't really uh, preferring to, at, le- at least it's a known value and you can work with something like that in the next year. And if you know, you find yourself regretting uh, where you stand and you look at prices for next year with corn still above $5. If that's a number that works for you, even though you may not want to go out there and sell half the crop necessarily, but uh, get started on doing it and hope that you're wrong. Uh, hope the prices go higher so that you get a better opportunity sometime you know, down the road. But the, the worst market is the one that we've been seeing and the one that just kind of leaks and, and again, just wears people out. Uh, and we could be seeing a corn market like this generally, to, you know, until the first of March. I think soybeans are a little different story because of their sensitivity yeah. on the balance sheet. But you know, corn just uh that might be the case here we got a little bit of carry as you mentioned into february uh it, what's really interesting though is going back to those cash flow needs is despite you know inching into these new lows and, and low cash values for the year we're still seeing some steady selling to to generate revenue okay what do you make of the spreads in both corn and soybeans a bit of a carry in those markets yeah you know i, I guess i tend to believe that march may corn spread probably still needs to to widen out um part of for what we just mentioned i think we're just flush with corn we're swimming in the stuff until march 1st even if they have a crop problem in south america we'll figure it out after that either way yeah. the beans are what's interesting to me i i've been concerned about the price direction in general for beans into the end of december with taking that january off the board maybe some forced selling uh using beans for cash flow instead of corn but to see the spread rally the way it is I don't know if that's a signal that, uh, you know, the farmer-owned inventory is, is start, already starting to get thin because so many people are more current on soybeans. Um, but I think that's something to watch for as, as you see the flat price uh, dip here ahead of a critical time frame for South America. And we still don't really have a lot of confidence in these rains, but yeah. production estimates just can't come down fast enough. I think as you get into January, February, we open up the door for that possibility. And just having that possibility may give us a little bounce in the market at least one more time, even if weather does straighten out. Yeah. Okay. I just realized I talked about uh, some expectations on that Brazilian soybean crop and didn't ask for years. Uh, uh, I would assume that you're under the 161 that USDA's got us at. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I think you have to kind of look at the 150 to 155 range in here at this point. I think if we get the market thinking, in, you know, in the 145 to 150 range after the first of the year, that you could see a little bit more gyration. And again, bring that open interest that's been forced out of the market back in, uh, whether it's right or not. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen a little bit of, uh, you know, continued export business, too. And that puts the USDA in a corner on demand. They're not going to sit here and, and dial that back while we're continuing to sell more. If anything, they may have to raise it down the road. Uh, but they're going to drag their feet on that, too, and, until we see more proof in this weather because we don't yeah. want to get ahead of that and then turn around and watch did, all the cancellations come through in May. Did the increase in the corn export estimate in in the December 8th supply and demand report surprise you? Not really. I mean, I, I would expect that our exports are going to be stronger and stronger from here on out. Yeah, but okay. here's the problem. We need them to be. You know, yeah, We're yeah. On, on pace to hit USDA's target. But how do you really throttle that up with the river the way it is? Um, the, yeah. You know, the correction in the U.S. dollar comes at a good time for us when we're really competing with those old crop supplies from South America still. Um, but it's just really hard to, you know, have these over the moon expectations on corn exports until we finally see some proof of it. And that may not come until you get into spring. Right. Right. Okay. Um, 
the safrina corn crop, I think it's still going to have a positive impact on our corn market. Do we have to wait until that end of February, first part of March? Not necessarily. I think the challenge is cash prices here domestically. I mean, if you start to get a rally because of concerns down there because the crop's late, I mean, the crop late in itself is a huge help to us because we may get another 30 to 45 days of demand that we weren't going to get anyways. And so that helps Good. things. Yep. But if we start rallying because of yield concerns, how does basis come along for the ride? You know, you look at crude oil, we've had a pretty you know big break there. We've looked a little better over the past week or so, but you, know, you flirt with that $70 crude level, these margins for ethanol plants into the first quarter of this next year have, haven't been that great. And so you know, it just feels like we're kind of stuck in a, in a 20 to 30 cent cash value range for corn until we get past March. And after that, who knows what could happen? You're going to be trading our weather by the time we get there. Yeah. Okay. All right. We are in the middle of a conversation with Sam Hudson from Corn Belt Marketing. Sam, when we come back, we've already talked about volume in the market. I want to, I want to start with volatility in the markets and what a low volatility market, what opportunities you might get from that as as we work our way into the uh, first quarter of 2024 talking with sam hudson corn belt marketing right here on agritalk let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where i've got march hard red winter wheat futures one and three quarter cents higher 626 and three quarters March SRW wheat up two and one half cents today to six twelve and a half. March corn futures were two and three quarters higher, four seventy-two and one half. May corn up two and three quarters to four eighty-five and one quarter. January soybean futures eleven cents lower on the day, twelve ninety-seven and one quarter. March beans down fourteen cents, thirteen oh one and three quarters. March cotton was eight points lower today, seventy-nine thirteen. On your livestock's February fat cattle down a buck sixty-two and a half to one sixty-eight sixty-seven and one half. Jan feeders off two dollars thirty-five to twenty-one seventy. In February lean hog futures forty-two and a half higher at seventy sixty-five. Get more tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Thursday afternoon. We're in the middle of a conversation with Sam Hudson from Corn Belt Marketing. 
Okay, we we kind of established some of the concerns, issues that goes along with a low volume market, but there there can be some opportunities that come along with a low volatility market, aren't there, Sam? There are, and uh, you know, some of them you got to be careful of too. You know, and, and sometimes in an environment like this, everyone's looking for a little premium, right? And the only way to get that is to come closer to the market. Uh, and that can burn a fella. And so I think those are some of the contracts typically this time of year would normally be quite interested in. But I think I'd almost table those thoughts and, and until you know we get a reason to to hop that back up again. I think that'll start to happen in early January. So in the meantime, yeah, if there's a need, option premium is a little cheaper. You know, we talked about 2024 and managing risk there. If a guy wants to reduce his exposure um, before we really have a, a strong opinion about what prices can do. You look at that DS24 corn contract, and we've been trading a very narrow range for quite some time. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you know you can sit on that $5 number and, and be okay, maybe you do that and, and start pricing some corn up and own some out of the money calls uh, to get you through spring or summer. You know, at least, uh, again, it's a known value you can work off of as you start to put the puzzle together for the for the uh, revenue. Yeah. yeah. A couple of the things that you talked about in the last segment about the Safrina corn crop. Number one, you, you don't know about the bushels. Number two we've got an idea that it's going to come that much later, you know, maybe 30 days later and give us a wider window for exports. Those could both be positive for the market, but at the same time, at the same time, you know, we've said this before on the show, Sam, is there really a drought in South America, in South America, if it doesn't turn into more demand for us crops. Okay. Right. Now, if they have their problems and it doesn't turn into more buying of U.S. corn in particular, this negative narrative that's going around about corn is going to be awfully hard to bust, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's just going to be a cloud hanging over us here, you know, for the next three or four months that, you know, how do you chew so, through all of that? You know, you got to, it's only going to embolden the two, two plus billion bushel corn carryout. Right. So with that in mind, and with the potential for an El Nino-influenced, at least first half of the 2024 growing season here in in the U.S., are, are when, when if we see any kind of a rally in that new crop contract into that 520, 525 range, what do you want to do with that? Oh, I think I'd be at least 50% hedged if you got up to those levels, and and quite honestly, even at 503. Uh, you know, we've been trying to stay ahead of the game, really, and, and it started two or three months ago, starting to market that crop. And, you know, at this point, it really becomes okay. how, what percentage do you want covered at these prices? But, uh, but yeah, I think you got to look at that. And if you trade over those values, you have to wonder if something else has changed. What what kind of willingness are you picking up from customers to go ahead and, and maybe push all the way to half sold on a 24 crop? Um, I, you know, I think the ones that, that were – looking forward for this last year's crop, probably looking at that all over again, understanding that they're seeing themselves a little bit more breathing room. They may not be hitting home runs, but it's managing, uh, you know, your risk in general of turning a profit into a loss. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, this feels like it's going to be a tough year for marketing. Doesn't it, Sam? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I mean, you go back into the kind of lazy markets, not a lot to chew on. And, you know, it seems like, you know, and we mentioned this uh, before the break, it seems like when there is something to chew on, all of a sudden it just happens all at once and you got, you better be ready. And 
uh, ready for that opportunity if it comes along. And, right. and I, one thing I would say to that, you know, we talked about the Safrina crop. There was a lot of corn. Their crop was so big last year. There was a lot of corn put on the ground. I think you're going to end up with a lot of damage down there that could end up being more feed grade than export grade corn. And so sure. if they don't have the big crop losses, that may not matter. But that's just one note to kind of keep an eye on here as we move forward into uh, into the next year. Okay. Let's switch gears. Um, let's talk biofuels. Let And start with ethanol. Everybody wants to talk about renewable diesel and and everything what what's your thoughts on the ethanol market into into 2024 well strong and steady now you know i think the big question is what do these energy prices do as we you know move forward here does the world economy you know, support the idea that we can keep crude you know 80 to 100 dollars um you know do we see additional concerns uh, you know, about supply that takes us back over 100 in the summer i don't know there's a huge uh, you know, variation in what we could find uh, as we go into the year. I think things, you know, they bought up what they need. They've had some margins, but those margins are really slip, slipping as we get into, uh, you know, March and beyond. And so I think that makes it difficult to really expect much change at all from USDA either way on the demand side. And moving forward, it's going to be more about, you know, how we incorporate carbon into the whole, you know, equation. And I think that's going to be a big highlight, you know, for some of these presidential candidates you mentioned and just uh, country politics in general, is just getting a lot of attention um, and I don't think that's going to change here in the short term. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Now take us over to the renewable diesel uh, because we've, you know, we're looking at, at monthly crush totals that are setting new records as more and more capacity comes yeah. online. It sure feels like it's, it's going to be a story in 2024. Oh, undoubtedly it will be. I think the tough part is, you know, trying to figure out how the government, both ours and just around the world, how are they going to regulate that and, and throttle it? Um, because, you know, you got some projections out here that we wouldn't even be able to produce enough soybeans to hit some of the demand numbers if you really wrote it down. Right. And so we have to, you know, combine reality, um, you know, with all of that, you know, the cooking oils out of Asia, you know, how is all this going to get categorized, I think is very important. I think that's going to take a little while to figure all of it out. At the end of the day, though, it's something that I think can can buoy our markets in general, um, as just an alternative use in general. And I think it's also going to reshape um, how you look at prices on the farm. You know, when we put up these crushing plants in these areas, you're going to force carry into the market. Um, and a lot of these, you know, bigger country elevators that buy yep. beans at 70, 80 under in, in Nebraska, that stuff's not going to happen anymore at harvest no. because they will not buy the beans. I think you're going to see uh, maybe some more on-farm storage get committed to, to soybeans. And how could that conversely, you know, impact corn at harvest? I think those are the things to be talking to the producers about because that's what's going to impact them. You're not going to see the market landscape just dramatically change one year to the next just because we're talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good thoughts there, Sam. You know, when corn consistently traded in a carry market from, oh, geez, 08, yeah. it is you know, I started calling it an ethanol formation because it was the ethanol plants saying, hey, you know what? We want your corn, but store it for us. We'll come yep. back and buy it later. We'll pay you for the storage. But it, the same thing, it, it the bean market has to go through. The, I think the bean market is going to have to go through that same process that the corn market went through in the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. And it's already happening, I think. I mean, even yeah. even now, I mean, you got 50, 55 cents a carry out to spring in some of these places and they're, they're probably scratching their heads. You know, where are we going to find a bean if we need to find one? Right. Right. OK. Uh, we talked about new crop corn sales. Talk to me yeah. a little bit more about new crop bean sales. What are what, what's your thoughts there? 
Well, again, this is something where, you know, I, I would really be reluctant to start my you know, campaign around the 1250 area. I think that $13 plus mark was the green light to at least get started, um, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent and, and structure it in a very different ways. You know, again, with low volatility, it's hard to look at any premium offer contracts right now. Uh, but soybeans, once again, are, are, you know, a candidate where if a guy just has to go out there and get some hedge covers due to financial situations or concerns about it, um, you know, going out and, and selling and, and owning some calls of some sort to get you through spring and summer against those sales is something to consider. Um, you know, if this bean market starts to close under 1250 on the new crop, 1240 area, I get a little concerned from a technical standpoint that we might be in for a little bit more. But conviction down deep, I guess, tells me I, I still think there's a reason to be optimistic here for at least a round of, uh, of buying in early mid-January. Okay. So stay a little conservative on the beans. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Be a little bit more cognizant about what you're obligating yourself to, I would say. You know, okay. in the 1275 to $13 mark, I think that's a good place to start. But understand, I mean, if we really got to put a move on in beans, if you take out 1320, uh, that's probably a signal that, uh, you know, there's something has bigger gone on in South America and we need to price it in the market. Gotcha. Um, have you got any thoughts on what's happening in these livestock markets? Um, you know, very similar to the grains, you know, a ton of open interest has come out of it. And once again, you do bring those guys back into it. You know, you look at the liquidation of ownership in live cattle is lowest it's been in what, over a year or something, mm -hmm. plus or minus. I have to go back and look. Um, you know, we've seen funds were net short feeder cattle here not too long ago. So we'll see uh, if we got to bring some of that back in at the end of the year. At the end of the day, I think we still have a strong dynamic from a fundamental standpoint in the short term. Uh, you know, with demand and the amount of supply we've got, uh, we've been dealing with these heavy placements numbers for the last couple of months. And it just feels like maybe we were close to digesting all of that. So my hope is that we can get through kind of a maybe a more regular set of data here uh, tomorrow and maybe yeah. offer a little bit more confidence for people just to trade that market more in general. And I think if we do that in the first of the year, it'll, it'll be a reward to the upside, at least initially. You get feeders uh, back to the mid 240s. It seems rich again yeah. with what we know today for now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, Dow's up almost 300 points. Looks to me like Never uh, the bulls Never are getting doubt. Christmas in the equities. I'd say that in the grains, the bulls got Christmas. Who gets New Year's? And I don't know. I, I'm more interested in see what happens after that, I guess, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and there's plenty of stuff on the agenda. We can't forget about those Jan 12 reports. That's right. That's right. And I don't see, you know, it almost feels like to me, I don't know if the yield number in corn matters. I feel like everyone's realized, hey, it was bigger than expected, better than expected. Like we said, we've kind of digested it now yeah. or, or in the process of doing so. So I just don't know if you can move things a whole lot. I don't think there's a lot of fodder for demand movements. And I think that paves the way for soybeans to kind of stay center, center stage here for another uh, couple months. Outstanding, Sam. Giving us a lot to think about today. Thank you, sir. Hey, always good to be with you. Appreciate having me. You guys have a Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas to you. All right. That is Sam Hudson, Corn Belt Marketing, at Samuel Hudson on X. So get on there, and, and if you're not following him, you should be. Um, okay, when we come back, Davis has probably got a few things that he would like to talk about. Uh, there may be based a few. Off of that conversation with Sam, we'll get to those next, right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days unless you listen to AgriTalk. In fact, you are listening to AgriTalk. Well done, Gold Star, beloved listener, for tuning into AgriTalk today. Your Gold pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory is with us, huh? Gold Star from Davis. Absolutely. We all very feel very proud of ourselves. I just I don't just go handing those out either. You know what I, I mean? know. Like I know you you got to work for those. You bet. Speaking of work, yes. the uh, AgriTalk men of song. They enjoy oh a challenge. They like to put in the work. Um, one night, yeah. several months ago, I challenged the fellas to recreate, and they wrote it down. I don't remember saying this, a sweaty synth-pop anthem in the style of the B-52s <laughs> about their main anxieties during the holiday season. <laughs> oh, boy. Does that sound like something I would come up with? That, I don't that, remember doing this. It, that's a heck of a challenge. What they came up with astonished me now <laughs> let me just say side note after this week's earlier uh, white christmas review debacle there's a new oh. process in place and i yes. have heard this one okay a very distinct screening process they brought in our own agritalk weather fox mavis bellwether for some help on the vocals <laughs> uh and so the agritalk men of song along with mavis bellwether present their latest holiday classic <laughs> Party. The cranberries jiggle in a dish. Somebody spilled the gravy. We used a cloth. Cloth them can. No paper towels. Cloth them can. Cloth them can. fancy you mm-hmm. are exactly right mm-hmm. yes grandma likes it fancy when she serves well done i thought they did well i mean you know oh. i would call that a sweaty synth pop anthem in the style of the b-52s about their main anxieties during the holiday season i, I, I mean they nailed it they nailed it 
they mm-hmm. nailed it. It's like you almost wrote it for them. Well, and it, you know, and if I'm thinking back in the dark okay. recesses of my mind, there was always yeah. that anxiety. We got these fancy napkins. I've never seen these before. Right. There's, there isn't a paper napkin or a paper towel in sight. Am I supposed to use this? Am I supposed exactly? I don't know. Well, and it's just the whole thing about you. You know, you're trying to be cool, trying to impress everybody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, chocolate on the tie. Right, right. Yep. Mom's not going to like it, it, but, I mean, you use, that's what we have, the cloth napkins. <laughs> uh, well done, Agri-Talk Good work. Man, so I appreciate the fellas. Uh, they've redeemed themselves. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, always good to talk to Sam Hudson. Now, one thing that I've noticed that keeps coming up is <laughs> the concern you know, we, we talk about a two billion bushel carryout. Okay. But okay. M- more and more people, and maybe it's just this week that it's really intensified, a lot of people want to put that plus behind the two on the <laughs> two billion bushel carryout. Two yeah. plus billion bushel carryout is being discussed more and more often. Yeah. Um, I think part of the reason for that is the corn export sales are okay. They're. They're not fantastic or anything like that. It's like Sam said, yeah, you know what? They should have increased it. The uh, corn export estimate up to 2.1 billion bushels in the supply and demand report back on December 8th. So the next question is, what do they do when we get the WASD on on January 12th? I don't think the sales pace has been strong enough to force that that, that – uh, uh, export estimate any higher at this point. And I know that the shipment pace has not been strong enough to give me confidence that everything that's on the books is actually going to get shipped, Davis. Ooh, okay. Okay. I mean, okay. it's it's the end of the year, and I'm already talking about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you know the kind of shenanigans that China can pull, when they come in and buy some corn, and then all of a sudden you start hearing about, yeah, well, we're cozying back up with Russia to maybe get some Ukrainian corn. Well, look at the stuff that we could still get out of Brazil. Well, look, at, if somehow, some way, let's say we get 80% of last year's safrina corn crop out of Brazil, mm-hmm. that number's coming down because mm-hmm. they, I, China's going to cancel it. It'll be cheap. Huh. It it will eventually be cheaper out of Brazil than it is here. If that happens, if that happens, now that's why I. That's one of the reasons that and the idea that okay, well, we got that bump up in the U.S. corn yield in the November crop production report. When we get the January annual production summary, could it go up even a little bit more? You throw those things together, the show the slow shipping pace with the hey this corn yield could still go up here. You gotta you gotta put the plus on the two billion for corn mm. carryover in 2023-24. Hey, question. How do you say uh, shenanigans in Chinese? Shenanigans. You know, I'm just gonna have to go with that because I don't know either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> National Weather Service six to ten day outlook. Uh, it's it's going to be above normal. It's hot, hot yeah. everywhere except the Gulf Coast. Chip. Yeah, DC twenty seven to thirty one. Yeah, baby. Up, above normal temperatures over the entire 
most of the country except for the south. Uh, you get down into the Gulf Coast, and we're looking at some below normal temperatures. We've got below normal precipitation expected over most of the country, Boy, including the Corn Belt. Yeah, uh, We've got above normal temperatures in the 8 to 14 day for December 29 to January 4 over most of the Corn Belt. you got to get out to Ohio before you get into some near normal. And the below normal precip sticks around. Speaking of stick around, you can take a break, but come back. For tomorrow morning's AgriTalk, we got the free for all coming your way. We smire Haney, Michelson, and me here on Agri